Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who made sure that his hair was included in his will. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and yeah, not a single hair could be left to I, my estranged wife. I, 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 that is the weirdest thing. I was like, I was thinking to myself, could you imagine? It's like, my to my dearest Emmeth, Emma, I bequeath my hair. May it provide you with solace and warmth in the winter, or something like. It's like what, what? Well, I imagine, I imagine that given he is a British official in the 18th century, he's got a large wig collection. I guess so. Well, okay. So not to get into get real. Okay, well, let's get into the weeds. Actually, we should just get into the weeds. <laughs> but like, um, but like, I guess like hair was like a thing for a long time. Like, have you ever seen those like? hair like where they would take all the members of the family's hair clippings of their hair and they would make art projects with them i like paintings and shit they're terrifying (laughs) like when we get done look it up it's a it's a whole victorian thing like it was like a a, like memento mori kind of thing and they like so like you would have like part of your whole family and they would make like these really elaborate like hair sculptures like not sculptures they were I don't know how to describe them. They're they're paint. They're not paintings, obviously, because it's not paint. But they're they're framed like a painting, but they have some depth because it's hair like layered on top of each other to uh, make like visual effects. I don't know what you would call it. It's sort of like almost like a diorama made of hair. Really, just the most terrifying thing you could ever imagine. Uh, can I can I up the terrifying for you real quick? Sure, I like being terrified. Uh, <laughs> so as of two days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, a man in Ohio holds a new Guinness World You're Record. You're going to tell me something. I'm gonna, it's going to make me throw up. I'm going to have to end the podcast. <laughs> I want you to understand what's going to happen here. I, I may need to stop then. Uh, it's called Haas, and it is a uh, a 225-pound ball of human hair. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Why? Uh, why discards, would you do this? Discards Adam? at a salon. Discards at a salon. So there's that. I mean, you're not making it better because it's random strangers' <laughs> hair. Don't well, feel it's not like they're collecting this. it out of the shower. I guess. It's well, okay, great. It's not his. There like, are worse places they could be I getting. I guess the hair. so, but I'm not. I'm not certain that what you're saying is true. It's all gross. No matter how you count it, that's disgusting. Yes, I'm judging this person. For their hair collection, <laughs> you should because it you makes should. me really hyper uncomfortable. It's as it as it should. It's what I'm here for. What, to make to make me so uncomfortable, <laughs> I consider for a brief moment stopping the podcast and starting over again. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode, and you get to vote on what the bonus episode is going to be. So I put together a list of movies, uh, four movies, and then a fifth option that is always Kazam, the Shaquille O'Neal starring children's movie where he plays a genie who raps, uh, because that's what, what why you know, Shaquille... Not? 
The question is why has. not? Uh, rapping genie. Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, the nineties <laughs> was a crazy time. Indeed, full of really bad uh, ideas, mostly, mostly bad ideas, yeah. all the way down. Yes, almost entirely bad ideas. That's the eighties were all drug induced, and the nineties were everyone in rehab just having bad ideas. Just bad idea after bad idea. Yeah, uh, we crashed from the cocaine high, and it was just and then was, things and was, things were even worse when we after we got out of it. Just, wow, this is everything just, was worse. We should have stayed high, I guess. Yes. Uh, we've watched a lot of great movies over there uh, from uh, Ernest Goes to Camp to Ernest Scared Stupid. Just the whole gamut of Ernest movies, which are really the whole gamut of all movies. Yeah, I mean, they so. really do represent film writ large, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed that Ernest never made a film noir. <laughs> really yeah, I, I, that's reasonable. I think that's I think a that... reasonable thing to be disappointed about. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it could have existed, and and as such, I, if I, if we had, yeah, if we as a society had continued to do cocaine through 1996, I think we could have we could have gotten there. Yeah, but. I think the issue that we run into is that in reality, I I think that to a certain extent, um, Ernest, you know, sort of candle or star, whatever you want to say, burned too bright too fast, That's and fair. and yeah. really, and, and society seems to I feel got burned out on him sooner than it should have because a lot of missed opportunity like a lot of missed golden opportunities i think 100 percent, like uh, ernest uh, noir as you as you pointed out yeah well you can hear us talk about the downfall of ernest on a on a recent bonus episode true ernest scared stupid from last november uh in december we don't do a uh Patreon bonus episode because that bonus episode is our holiday special, which everybody gets access to on the main website. But we'll be back for January with something because I haven't thought of I haven't thought There's of what no I want to do yet. There's no list yet. <laughs> we have watched non-Ernest movies over there, of course. We, we also have? watched, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, which oh, Ernest right, was not right, in, right. I, which is actually a great one for that. A great, not, yeah, that would not be appropriate. <laughs> not probably not, not honestly. Right. That's a really great movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or uh, Ready Player One. That could have had. There's probably probably, probably he might actually be in Ready that Player movie, One. and we just didn't yeah, realize it. That's, yeah, that's. For being honest. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, like I said, that's all a dollar a month. You get to vote on what we're going to watch. Uh, you can suggest lists if you want, uh, or if there's a particular movie you think we should watch, you can suggest it, and I'll put it on a list, and then you can try and convince other people to vote for it. Uh, usually, if uh, if a supporter suggests the list, I will try to get them on the podcast. So we have some interesting conversations with people about a movie they really love, and I enjoy talking. Yeah, to it's really about a fun thing. Things to do. they like. So, yeah. So we have a lot of fun. Now that's all at a dollar. For a little extra five dollars, we just like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our current five dollar supporters: Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Yes, thank you. A little above that, we do something that is pretty dang special. Yeah, it is. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and write a personalized thank you note. Mail that off once a month. And we also like to thank those people on air. So our $10 and above supporters right now, thank you so much to Patrick Yako, Adam Speakerman, Nina Balzhnack, Michael McGrath, and Jason Westhaver. If you want to see those postcards... Before you commit to getting them sent to you, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, 
and uh, you see the entire back catalog of, well, most of the back catalog of postcards. There are a couple that that can't go on Redbubble yeah, for reasons, for various legal uh, legal reasons. Yes, yes, uh, uh, presumed legal reasons. Uh, again, I think we're justified, but yeah, I mean, Redbubble yeah, would not we, agree. We're, we're, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, you can also. Uh, not just see them there, but you can buy old ones if you like. You see anything you like, you can buy as a postcard, as a greeting card, uh, as a sticker, many of them, as buttons, a few of them. Uh, basically, whatever felt right when I went through the little click bar <laughs> of, of what... Uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever the, wherever the mood took you at the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any weird outliers, but uh, but maybe. Maybe I accidentally leapt in a, a water bottle of the third band or something. Which yeah, you know, I mean, I I'm, I'm a, I, I get it. It could work. Uh anyway, again, that is redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion. Or to support us directly, head over to Patreon.com/slash/LostInCriterion. Either way, very grateful for your support. Very grateful for you listening. Pat, this week we're talking about a movie that we have to talk about quickly because it is already it's, fading uh, it's slowly away. fading away. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely back to the future yeah. in this movie out of my out of existence. Right, right, I was right, like, right. what? Is, we, what movie is, did we watch? I don't... Disappearing so quickly. So let me introduce it before we completely lose even that. That's Hamilton Woman from 1941. It is a historical romance drama directed by Alexander Corda, starring. Uh, Oh, it's oh, already goodness. gone. It's fading <laughs> it's, it's away. Fading oh so fast. Oh, my God, his brother. No. <laughs> Starring Vivian Lee and Lawrence Olivier as uh, Emma, Lady Hamilton, and Horatio Nelson, uh, the admiral, uh, who uh, this during the Napoleonic Wars, they met. They fell in love. They were both married to somebody else. Uh, they had do. an affair, got together. Uh, then he died. Uh, in war, and uh, and historically, she sort of just disappears. Uh, no one actually knows what happened to her historically, uh, for sure, uh, as far as I know. Um, but there is a rumor that she died in poverty, and as such, the movie portrays her as dying in poverty because this was a Hollywood production. Yeah, oh man, this movie's agenda is just so fucked. <laughs> it's just so, so fucked. There's just so I many competing agendas so here. Much. So I as hate a, this movie as, so much, Adam. I hate it so much. As a Hollywood production, uh, they were in a positively portrayed adulterous relationship, and as such, they both have to be punished. Uh, that's just just how things were in the 40s in Hollywood. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia, she did die in Calais. Uh, died uh, possibly of a laudanum overdose. Uh, and yeah, uh, so she was poor, but this movie portrays her as ending up, you know, stealing, stealing wine. I mean, from a this, shop. yeah, <laughs> I mean, this movie yeah. says whatever the fuck it wants. It doesn't really right, care right, right. about like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. just the movie's not interested okay. in in your in your historical right. facts adam so so the complicated things about this movie the whole is that thing. well a lot of it uh so this came out in 1944 uh, okay. or 1941 rather sorry 
Um, April 30th, 1941, in fact, was his original release date. This movie was, in the Corda's weird brains, uh, meant to be a pro-British convince the u.s to enter world war ii propaganda thing. no yeah totally no that yeah absolutely that's exactly yes i mean <laughs> yeah. i know you're we're kind of hedging that a little bit but like <laughs> that's exactly how it reads this thing is so goddamn this movie like it is yeah yeah why why i hedge that is not that i don't think it is successful as that well, i mean it's not successful. I'm not sure that it's no success- no no i'm not it's saying not it's successful, successful. as that <laughs> I'm saying that it's very clear that's what they were going for. Right, 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 right. It also didn't need to be successful because it came out much much like the last movie we talked about that was that, uh, the 49th Parallel, a movie designed to try and convince the U.S. to enter the war in 1941. Uh, We were in the war by the end of 1941. Right. uh, um, But... But to combine that thing of this, we did it before, we can do it again, historical thing. Like uh, Ivan the Terrible, uh, the Eisenstein films from the other, you know, the other side, of, the other front of, of this. Let's talk about this historical time where we defeated uh, a terrible force. With Eisenstein, it was Germans. Here, it is just a dictator from the past. Of course. Right. Napoleon gets an upgrade in how evil he is in this movie because he is a Hitler stand-in for right, the yeah, sake of the yeah. film, right? Not that Napoleon wasn't not well, but bad, like I mean, but... <laughs> like you know, you, we we'll get into it as we he go through the movie. He wasn't but, Hitler, yeah, he was not Hitler, uh, and this movie needs him to be Hitler, and right. very specifically, this movie not only needs him to be Hitler, but like needs to somehow make the Napoleon's empire seem worse than the British Empire. Like, right, as I was, right. like, point of comparison, which is a hilarious thing to be doing. It's like, no, uh, you're all bad. You all suck. It's like, you all just suck. It's an especially hilarious thing because when uh, Lord Hamilton explains to his wife the whole war situation, uh, he portrays. Oh, I know. It's amazing. He portrays the French as impossible to appease aggressors trying to take over the entire world. Uh an the accurate British description of the, the British Empire. The, the British started the Napoleonic War. Yeah. The British shot first. They, they, but I mean, even, they were the aggressors in this particular in this war. particular war. But even beyond that, bear in mind that we're talking about two massive colonial empires, both bent on right, exactly right, right, the right. same. Like, at best, you're talking about like a weird Google Apple comparison. You know, what I mean? it's like no, you, yes. you got you both yes. suck. Like neither of you sucks less than the other. Right. Right. Uh, and of course, we can't talk about what uh, what the Americans were doing at the time because uh, French's France's Napoleonic War situation was completely financed by uh, the Louisiana Purchase. Right, right. So, like, no, everybody, everybody sucks, yeah. and it's it's really amazing because, like, like I I know I don't want to I guess jump the gun, but I like this movie has. Just the absolute most, fu- like paints the most fucked up worldview you could ever. It is the it is it's the bad. most unabashedly pro England movie yeah. I think we've ever seen. We have seen a lot of movies with bad British World War Two brain. I think was the term <laughs> yeah, you yeah no you that is the term for it. Uh, uh, and uh, 
yeah, this is this one might of them. be this might uh, be the worst one though. Like in all in all seriousness, we watched some no, really... Colonel Colonel Blimp was the worst one. No, I uh, don't but... think so. I I for, Colonel Blimp is fucking bad. It is pro just war theory, and I agree. Yeah. But it had a subtle. It had some nuance, not much. Okay, but it had more nuance than this movie. That this movie reminds me. This is like. This reminds me of any of those. This this movie is one step away from being a pro slavery movie, like can uh, I? like kind of type of like American like Dixie South type of thing. Yeah. It's horrible. Uh, Gone with the Wind. Speaking of Vivian Lee. Well, yes, uh, yeah, basically. That's I was trying to reference uh-huh. Gone with the Wind without like actually referencing Gone with the Wind. I'll say you. it. I'll say. It. Can I share with you the least surprising fact about this movie? Go for it. Winston Churchill's favorite movie. Of course, God. Of course, yes. <laughs> Well, like I mean, they know their audience, and boy, did it work for yeah, their audience. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I mean, it's it's real fucking bad, man. It's <laughs> it's. I can't. It is almost hard to articulate how fucking bad it is. Okay. Yes, and yes, and uh, okay. where I think this movie fails as the propaganda it so desperately wants to be. Is that it's called that Hamilton woman, yeah. and it's entirely about their their marriage, their affair, except that uh, Nelson goes off to war every so often, and then we get a big third act. No, not a failure. Sequence of him dying in war. Not a failure. Uh, not a failure. <laughs> it's everything they want from their from their soldiers and their people. The movie gives yeah. it away at the very end. The last thing that they read on those flags. Is exactly right, the point, right, which right, is right, 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 you right. all better be ready to fucking die. Right. Like get on, strap yeah. on your boots and get your dying pants on because it's time to go die. <laughs> and make sure you've got your will written out so your wife, your mistress gets your hair for whatever fucking yes. reason and yes. go. And that's the thing. The movie is mainly focused on the idea that your petty personal needs love relationships like family yeah all that is is nothing in the face of the needs of the empire right and right. and and it and it and it's successful in that because i mean it's not successful because it's a terrible fucking movie like don't get me wrong the movie is even <laughs> beyond like I can't ever, we'll never be able to put ourselves in the brain of the people who would be watching this contemporaneously. But, like, this is abjectly an actually bad movie. Like, it's also just a boring as fuck and just terrible. But beyond that, it does accomplish its goal, which is like that Hamilton woman repeatedly does the noble British woman thing and sacrifices her. Especially right, at the very right, right. end, sacrifices her needs in favor of what the empire needs. Whether that's accurate right. to history or not is irrelevant. She does the thing that all good British women should do in this time of great need, which is forget about what you need from your from your family members, your husbands, your sons, and think about what the empire needs from them, which is for right. them to put on them dying pants and get to work. Yeah. Uh, dying pants is uh, such a delightful thing, and I'm so glad that you've introduced it's my, it's it my, to It's our my lexicon. new turn of phrase, yes. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Um, British World War II brain and dying pants. Uh, they're, they're co-related. They are, uh, they anyway. are very related. <laughs> um, 
one of the aspects of the love story of this is that they're also leading into the tabloid love story of stars Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, who had both been married and had an affair and were just freshly divorced and remarried to one another uh, as this movie went into production. Okay. Uh, and I think, I think their sort of immortal undying love in the story of the movie uh, is at odds with the British war honor, um, I feel. But maybe I'm wrong uh, I mean, because I'm not. I mean, exactly. What, I mean, like, I want you to tell me more. I don't even know if I can articulate more because it just, I feel like the movie, the movie is a love story, period. Right. The movie is their love story. Right. And it's a tragic love story because it's a foregone conclusion, not just because, uh, you know, the audience at the t- a British audience at the time would have been familiar. It's, it's with familiar with what anyway. happens here, yeah. But but more importantly, anyone anyone with a passing understanding of British war history, yeah. uh, knows that Horatio Nelson dies. Well, anybody <laughs> uh, with a, even so... a passing understanding of how <laughs> movies work understands that this guy's right, 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 like, right, fucking right. doomed from from day one, from the yeah. jump. This guy's yeah. fucked. Uh, so I don't know. Just just the fact that, you know, there's obviously there's the morality aspect going on behind the scenes with the with the uh, censors in America not wanting a happy, adulterous relationship anyway. Um, and good news, guys. It's not. Um, but despite despite Alexander Corda wanting to portray both of these people in as positive light as possible, uh because they did, you know, they take out a lot of, you know, Nelson at least has has quite a few negative personality elements that uh, right. that I know of that were, you know, the man was a, an attention hound, period. Um, and that's sort of drawn out here. There's a reason he ended up in the house uh, he wanted to be. Right, right, just, right. It's not just like, uh, but yeah. oh, I just, it's part of my duty to like. <laughs> right, right, right. Um but it's, I don't know. It just, it seems so, so intent in, in her being the titular character and our point of view character, the vast majority of the movie. It just seems so intent on telling us the love story. Yeah. That I really do not understand. Like 49th Parallel, I understand how it was making a persuasive argument to get the Americans right, involved right. in the war. This movie doesn't seem to be making a persuasive argument. It seems to be saying, uh, "It, I guess it's it's argument for America getting into the war is too subtle." I think is really where well. It falls I see. That's why I wonder. I I I when I was watching it, I didn't exactly read it as a "Hey, America, get into the war" as much as of a as a more of a "Hey, boys in whatever color Britain people wear." buck up and do your duty like with the knock-on effect of like well our boy you know the the british boys are over there fighting this evil and then like i mean come on there's the whole naples thing like it really feels like that's a dig at the united states like that's meant to be a whole like oh britain's protecting you from plus anybody else that they can convince to get into the war too i guess right but like well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's another, as if this movie is actually trying to convince 
uh, foreign powers to get involved with the movie, with the war, particularly the United States, uh, then the Naples stuff portraying Britain as as protector and you're the ungrateful uh, whatevers. Uh I don't feel like flicking off the United States. I think really I disagree. I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that because they're basically trying to shame them into being like, are you a bunch okay, of pansy okay. ass Nepal? What? Nepal? How do you call it? <laughs> no, Neapolitans? Uh, Neapolitans. Neapolitans. Uh, I got ice cream. Certainly are you not a bunch Nepalese. Of, I think is what you're... No, I was trying to think like, would it be the same word that is the ice cream? Um, and I got worried that that couldn't possibly be true. Um, but, like, that sort of, like, think about what America tried to do when invading Iraq. Okay, yes. And what America, America's attempt to convince people like France to join the cause was right, borderline right, just right. calling them a bunch of pansies. It's always shame. It's yeah, always shame. It's always because shame. Because you... you you're there's no say i don't think there's you you get something like 49th parallel which is meant to be a persuasive argument and i think yeah, what but you do still is about you, right playing to the fears right it's it's always you, going to be if canada because, falls america falls right so, well, yeah. exactly because but, honestly speaking you're never going to convince people to join your war through like hey wouldn't you like to come help us out Right, because right, right, right. that's that's not that that sort of appealing to the better nature of governments, especially, just doesn't. Yeah, the delightful thing is that Britain obviously does not have a historical relationship with the U.S. where they can say, "Hey, you owe us for this one." Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so right, there's no like, oh well, you know, we we had your back at this thing or that. Well, no, that right, doesn't right, exist. Right. That's never happened. At least, so. at least not at this point. Yeah. Um. I suppose you can make that you can make that appeal now to World War Two, uh, if you wanted. Right. But, I mean, but at this point, uh, like international politics is so fucked up and weird that like it kind of doesn't right, even. Right. You can you make that. Is any of that stuff relevant? Right. Like I don't even know. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fair. That's certainly fair. Yeah. Um, so the. I was kind of interested the the almost unspoken. Uh, revolution that happens in the in Naples, which is why the Hamiltons have to leave Naples. Right. Uh, turns out that was that was a really really on brand for uh, for eighteen hundred circa revolutions, in that it was completely the petty bourgeois. Yeah, revolting. of course. Yeah, like nobody. Like the, it's the, never the, it's never a peasant revolution is, that doesn't happen. It is unique. It is unique in that there was not any support among the peasantry, like at all. Right, uh, right. Uh, of course, the one the one exception to all of that is the Haitian Revolution, which is also happening at the same time. Is well, and is but that's just what, that is just a functionally different kind of revolution. Yeah. Like on just completely, on a, di- completely, right. it's yeah, and is ultimately the actual reason for uh, the Louisiana Purchase was that France right. got its ass kicked in Haiti, Napoleon particularly, and uh, needed to buy stuff. <laughs> And just turned around and sold all of their like we don't want to do their, this anymore. <laughs> everything in the new world is like, we're done here. <laughs> Haiti can rot, and uh, America. Hey, you want to buy all this river? Yeah. We got all, this river. Also, <laughs> you owe us one bajillion dollars. That's the other yes. part of that. Yes. For your for your freedom. Yeah. Uh, right. 
yeah, uh, it was not great. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Napoleon is this unseen Hitler in this. Uh, the British are still... I hate that fight scene for so many reasons, and it really did you remind me the, of Colonel You mean the ship Blimp. one? The ship one. Mm. Uh, but like... <laughs> The French flagship surrenders. Uh-huh. And then the fighting still continues. <laughs> like, the flagship surrenders, and then they launch three more volleys of cannonballs at it. Like, some guy says, hey, they gave up. <laughs> and then they just completely wipe them out anyway. Right. Uh, which is very, very Colonel Blimpy in my memory, too. Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean. Super, they, super unsurprised that Churchill loved this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Like, this is. Well, I mean, it, it's the like this movie also sort of has a sort of total war ap- apologia thing right, going right. on because it's like it does that thing where like even like um, whether I again I don't know anything about history like let's just be frank here, but like right there like there where like Nelson's like no we can't try like we have to wipe them out there's no there's no peace with 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 France it's wipe them out or nothing with these evil like, French yeah with those evil French and it's like well okay whatever I mean whatever movie yeah um I will say one thing I really did like about this movie is the set design and the the ship models themselves are very impressive yeah. apparently they were quite large about the size of two men um uh, size of tube men two men <laughs> sorry just two stupid. men in the ship in I'm the large ship, the, the Victoria model particularly, two men yeah, were inside yeah. controlling all of the cannons and pushing pushing the uh, the boat around in the water. What a, their, what a job. With their tippy toes. Yeah. Um, all of the production design was done by Vincent Corda, uh, one of Alexander's two brothers. Uh, the third Corda brother... Uh, whose name escapes me suddenly. Oh, I, I was looking it up and I've lost that Wikipedia article. Well, yeah. Shoot. Uh, he uh, he was less involved with this one, I feel like. Um, Vincent's son, uh, there's an interview with Vincent's son on one of the bonus features on this DVD. And Michael is his name. And Michael describes uh, Zoltan, the, the other brother. Um, as much more, he's talking particularly about a movie they made in India, which was Jungle Book, in fact. Um, and in making Jungle Book, Michael describes Zoltan as much more favorable to the uh, to the indigenous population of the area, uh, as opposed to Alexander taking a much more pro-British stance in his understanding of of the time period of of the British conquest of India. Uh so it wouldn't surprise me if Vincent sort of ducked out on this one. Right. <laughs> or yeah. not Vincent. If Zoltan sort of just ducked out on this one. Vincent Vincent still got uh still got pressured into doing it and, and did did the art direction. I mean he won he had previously won an Oscar for the art direction of the Thief of Baghdad, the mm. uh which we talked about a few uh, probably about that a year ago. That was a while now, ago, I feel like. Yeah. Um he would be nominated for an Oscar for art direction on this and Jungle Book, um, which they did the next year, uh, and the longest day eventually in '62. Uh, he also got a 
got a nomination for. But here, one, they're working with an incredibly small budget, apparently. Built the ship models, made that house in Naples feel palatial. Uh, yeah, I mean, the sets are all great. They yeah, really no, are. It, it, um, it all reads, like, visually it all, I mean, it all reads as well as anything of this sort of historical drama type can read, right? You know what I mean? Like, it all reads, it's well done, but it, because of the nature of the movie, it always has that sort of over-the-top kind of feel to it, you know, that sort of, yeah. they're definitely going for a Gone with the Wind kind of vibe, and the uh, the unfortunate effect of that is is that that means sets that are kind of like outlandish, right? Right. I mean, right, they're well huge. done. They're all very well done. They're just sort of like, oh boy, like that's a. I'm seeing a lot of this palatial estate. We're doing a lot of running around rooms of this palatial estate, <laughs> right, you know, right, right, which right, is not right, a right. terribly interesting thing to be doing. Is what I'm that's saying. That's also fair. Right. Uh, I think this movie. Uh, could have been a little shorter. Uh, oh, and really? It might might have pulled my attention a little <laughs> more easier. It is just north of two hours. It's a little and long. It is. It is. Yeah. It it drug for me, and you know, part of that is a complete disinterest in what the movie is trying to do, right, or right. or the time period is actually set in. Uh, yeah. Same but, here. Well, the yeah. yeah. Well, the particular aspects of the time period. Well, I mean, yeah, said yeah, it. but right. yeah, I mean, which of is course. basically the same thing. I'm but, not yeah. interested particularly in the yeah. in the British portion of, like, <laughs> right, right, Napoleonic Wars. It's just none of this is interesting to me. Like, I just I don't I, care. Yeah, circa 1800 Britain. Uh, I could like, I could give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that point in history, if we're not talking about the. Uh, Socialist revolutions of of Central Europe. I'm just not, not that interested, interested in yeah, Europe. Exactly. Period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as as far as European history goes, um, obviously Haiti has a soft spot there for me because it is very fascinating. And again, that, a to- uh, basically a totally yeah. different thing, right? Like that's <laughs> right, just a right. totally that's not not just not the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I uh, I will say this is this is perhaps the uh, the first time. Uh, a Wikipedia article has brought up Bosley Crowther's review of the movie, and I'm just like 100% signed off on it. Uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> so he's the New York Times right. reviewer of the era. Uh, he said the film is, quote, just a running account of a famous love affair told with deep sympathy for the participants against a broad historical outline of the times. Perhaps it had all been condensed and contrived with less manifest awe the effect would have been more exciting and the love story would have had more poignancy. As it is, the little drama in the picture is dissipated over many expansive scenes. Compassion is lost in marble halls. I agree. Totally. 100%. 100%. He, I mean, he doesn't on. touch on the thing, the other things that we hate about this movie, but like, <laughs> right, right, he certainly right. touches on the, like, the fundamental failures of the film as a film. You know, yeah. like, I mean, there's there, there are the failures that are like social and, and cultural. Yes. And then there are the yes. failures that are that make this just also not a good movie. Right. And he's and, you know, spot he's on about on, that. He's spot on about that. Um, yeah. And and rather rather Crowther uh, would be able to critique it culturally. No. Uh, yeah. Time. No, of course not. It's, but like, yeah, I mean, it's its own question, too. But it's but. just interesting that you have two essentially separate modes of viewing this movie and both it is a failure 
with regards to both of them. You know yeah, I mean, there's there is a there's the pure sort of filmmaking sort of version of it, which Crowler is talking about, and it is true that it is not a good movie. It is not a fun. We have watched pro British Empire movies that were at least engaging movies. Right, right. This right, is right. not one that, of those. This is not an engaging movie. And and then I'm, and on a cultural level, you and I and other people can can talk yeah. about that. And it's also bad with regard, like terrible with regard to regards to those things. Right. It's really, and I, yeah, I feel like its its main draw is looking at Lawrence Olivier and Vivian Lee, and maybe yeah. in, maybe in 1941, broad American public was more interested in doing that than I am now. They're beautiful people. I'll give them that. Uh, yeah, I mean, even then though, sure. they they it feels like the movie kind of getting into that it's still kind of into that that crowler thing the way the movie is laid out and done you're even tired of them by the time the movie's right, over right, like even right. if you're just a fucking huge fan by the time yeah. you get to the end of the movie you're like you're just like fucking end it please just stop showing me movie i I watched it. This was a fan. This was not a family watch. This was a me, uh, Rumi and I watched yeah. this together. Well, sort of. I watched it, and she was in the room, and she's like, every <laughs> about every half an hour, she'd be like, "Is this thing still? Is this like?" She like, one time she was like, "Are you still fucking watching that movie?" And I was like, "Yes, it it is forever. I will it be watching this very, movie until I die." It is a very long two hours. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing, right? We've watched. It's really fascinating because over over the last few, I guess probably month or two we've watched quite a you know quite a few movies have been in the in the ballpark of two hours and it really right. goes to show you the dynamics of the movie mean a great deal with regards to how two hours feels some of those two right. hour movies were like f- over in a flash and i was like holy cow like that didn't feel like two hours at all and then this one i was like that two hours felt like four or even jean dan which was three yeah, hours. yeah no totally and and was Definitely I was an super engaged the whole time, which is a very yeah. funny thing to say when you think about it. Uh, about that movie, yes, yes, yeah. it's <laughs> super engaging, but it's not something that you should want to watch, right. um, <laughs> just because it's yeah. It is, well, I'm just thinking in terms something. of like which one has more like quote unquote right. stuff going on. Right, 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 right. Certainly, um, yeah, <laughs> right. If if Sean Damon had a third act naval battle <laughs> right, it, right. well that's what i'm saying is it's like there's in theory this is a much more sh- action this should movie. be the more exp- the more exciting but it's movie. not yeah and it's but not it's even not. close it's not even a close race <sighs> yeah um so another interesting background detail of this movie is that uh Corda was essentially running a british foreign office out of the production office uh-huh. uh, for this movie uh, so he had MI5 agents uh, undercover in his organization, knowingly. You know, he right. He was doing this. They weren't just sneaking in. Uh, it's funny who were gathering, were, but yeah, right. Uh, who were gathering information on German activities within the U.S. and on uh, American sentiment toward the war. Uh, to the point where. This movie's production, uh, according to uh, an Olivier biographer named Anthony Holden, um, 
This movie became Exhibit A in a case brought against Corda by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Um, the committee had accused him of operating an espionage and propaganda center for Britain in the United States, uh, which he had Ac- been doing. Accurate. Uh, which is accurate. Uh, his, his Senate trial, or his, his, uh, his time subpoenaed to be in front of the Foreign Relations Committee, was scheduled for December 12th, 1941. Oh. Uh, so that never happened because five days earlier, right. <laughs> the U.S. was in the war. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so he got, <laughs> he got out. Because <laughs> he definitely was doing that. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Although whether or not it would have had any negative repercussions right, for right, him right, or right, anything right. like that, it's hard to, yeah. hard to say. Right. Probably not. 100%. But... Um. This somehow won an Oscar for best sound. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess um, people just like like Hail Britannia. I I don't. <laughs> right. The music's reimaginings of Hail Britannia and and working the uh, La, Mar- La Marseille into into music too was okay. Sure, it, yeah, it worked. Uh, I mean, I have of course been walking around, much to my chagrin, humming "Hail Britannia" because, like, <laughs> of course you have. It's a fucking earbug, and like, you can't. Yeah, no, it's 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 unfortunate that like such a ter- like it's such a fundamentally representative of such evil f- song is so fucking catchy. Yeah, you're like walking around the house <laughs> doing chores, being like, "Am I seeing fucking Hail Britannia? Why am I doing this?" I fortunately watched it in a in a time frame where uh, I haven't had it stuck in my head. But I anticipate the rest of today, I will have. It yeah, stuck you probably in my will. Head. I mean, br- brace yourself is what I'm saying. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of the boat set, the interior of the boat set, was designed to slightly sway. Ooh, uh, which I didn't actually notice on screen. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I suppose if you were, pro- I probably wasn't quite paying attention well enough to like pick up on it. That's probably fair. By because the time by the time actually... you get to the boat, you're like, God damn it, we're still doing this. Right. By the time we're inside the boat, I am, I am barely engaged. Yeah. That's it's fair. like, I don't want to be here. Uh, like, uh, yeah. yeah. Apparently, uh, Vivian Lee was, was easily seasick. And the swaying set did not. They should have shown her. more of that in the movie. <laughs> more, more of her throwing up yeah, for authenticity, right? Like, yeah, probably. Hamilton, the Hamilton woman was probably also seasick. So. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty normal reaction to your first trip on right. the high seas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> presumably, I don't know. Was it canonically her first trip? How did they get know. to Naples? No, I assume they uh, took a boat. I don't know. How do you well, get to they Naples? Came, I don't know. But they came through they came through Rome. So maybe they didn't take a boat. Maybe they had traveled across all the way across Europe. Maybe uh, took maybe they took a jet plane. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um <laughs> as you said, this movie is incredibly Anglo centric. <laughs> Oh Just. God! It's it's so intense. Like, I I can't like I can't really. It's hard for me to think of anything else to talk about with regards to this movie, right? Than how intensely like mapped how uh, how intensely they have mapped England's war against the uh, against Nazi Germany onto yeah. 
the Napoleonic Wars. It's it can't it almost can't be believed without being seen. It's yeah. it's it is kind of insane. <laughs> Like, I brought it up again because I was suddenly thinking of the scene where he's explaining to where where Lord Hamilton is explaining to Emma uh, just uh, where exactly England is compared to the, where they it's are. It's just a like, tiny dot. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. It's, so it's, bad. it's terrible. And I, I will. I, and we just want to live our lives and be left alone. Yeah. And, and then there's this, this evil country trying to take us. over everything. And they can't yeah. be satiated. They can't be stopped. They want to tell everyone how to live their lives. I'm like, you are talking about, you are in the fucking British <laughs> Empire. What are you fucking talking about? And whether you, think, whether you are talking about that in 1800 or in 1940, the, it is still the, the same, same thing. thing. Like, do you think, I, I know I, I know the answer. Do you think, what do you think, what do you think the percentage of audience watching this movie experienced noticeable cognitive dissonance in, in that moment? <laughs> like, because, like, it's not like, it's not like Britain was hiding their empire. They were not right. like, you know what I mean? It's not like, I mean, like literally the song is hail Britannia. And it mostly talks about Britain taking over the world. Like right. it, it's, it's not like Britain was wandering around pretending like they didn't have, it wasn't America today where <laughs> they're walking around pretending there's no empire when there's very clearly an right, empire. Right, right. There's, this is, a time when we're we're still pretty much engaged with the idea of full embrace of the idea that like the empire exists and it's good, like it's beneficial yeah. to the world. So like, but this is this seems to be fundamentally pretending that's not doesn't exist. I I, I that seems like that would almost be too much cognitive dissonance for any moviegoer to to undergo. Because you'd be walking off the yeah. street of a country, like that you that you know you know in your mind has an empire and you're proud of it, right? Right, right. And like, and you read newspaper articles, hemming and hawing, and like, and like, sort of like lamenting the like the slow collapse of the empire, you know, as we go as you go into World War Two and things like that, right? And post World War One. Like those are things that you experience constantly every day, and then you're gonna go watch it. You're gonna watch a movie where they're like, "Well, we're just this tiny country, and this big old empire just won't stop beating up on us, and we're just trying to like right. live our lives, and like they want to take over the world." I don't know. It's very like this. The speech Nelson gives about Napoleon. Napoleon cannot cannot be master of the world until he has smashed us up. And believe me, gentlemen, he means to be master of the world. You cannot make peace with dictators. You have to destroy them, wipe them out. That's what he says in the yeah. uh, in the cabinet meeting, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's wow. It is <sighs> it is this. I mean, as a sort of cultural artifact, this movie is amazing. Yeah. Like. As an actual movie, it's a nightmare. It's terrible. But as a as a cultural artifact, yeah. it's mind boggling. I I cannot imagine anything in this movie sticking with me. 
No, um, I mean, I might remember that speech for a little while just because it's so, so stupid. Just because it's so bad. It's, it's just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I might remember I mean, a person uh, essentially bequeathing their hair to their to their mistress for a while. <laughs> that feels fair, like a thing that fair. might stick for a while just because it is it is just it just feels funny to me. It feels yeah. like something I will end up referencing 10 years from now when I do something. I'll be like, and to my dearest Emma, I leave my hair. Um, I, I, you know, cause just because like, huh? <laughs> it's, basically, yeah. it's basically my takeaway from it. It's like, what? I wonder how many movies came out in 1941, particularly to try and convince America to enter the war. Uh, so we've got this. We've got 49th Parallel. The Great Dictator came out in 1941 as well. Um, I mean, of those, at least one of them is watchable. Right. And one of them is hilariously unwatchable. Right. So, <laughs> I love the 49th Parallel, but it's not a good movie. Either. No, no. I, the 49th <laughs> Parallel at least had, I mean, I will give it credit that like we, we I don't I don't remember it super well, but it, its absurdities were something that we actually seemed to enjoy. Right, right, whereas right. like it was. It this was doesn't fun. have that, but it was fun bad. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> Mostly because it was also just a tourist guide to Canada. <laughs> well, right, yeah, that I, <laughs> as yeah, we followed yeah, yeah. the Nazis around the country. Yeah, I forgot about that. See yeah. all of see all of Canada's see sites. The sites of the, see the sites of Canada. Fight the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Um But yeah, I don't know. And I, I guess I don't know necessarily that the great dictator was trying to convince the U.S. to enter the war so much it's just making fun of Hitler, period. Which is but, a different thing, yeah. I mean... Yeah, right. But, like, I mean, there are there were a lot... I mean, a lot of movies made at this time. Right. And and after this. And many of the... And, and they did tend to focus on the war. Right. And yeah, I, I, have, think... I have seen a lot of movies that are just... just from sheer, just sort of like pure movie watching standpoint, just better than this. Even though they yeah. didn't have better messages, they were just better movies. I seem to recall that Chaplin said that he wanted to made the great, great dictator if he had known the full extent of what Hitler had been doing with the concentration. Right, camps. right, yeah, yeah. I think so. I've that really implies that to me too, that yeah. he did not necessarily mean for it to be. Pro war propaganda so much it's just making fun of Hitler, uh, which is know. its own. I mean, is its own thing, right? Like, I mean, right. It, it's understand that sentiment he had is very, very, very understandable, uh, right? It, but also the sentiment when he made it is also very understandable. Of like, this asshole over here needs to be made fun of, basically, yeah. right? Like, so you know. Oh, so I guess uh, I'm looking at it now. The Great Dictator came, did come out in 1940, not 41. So. October 1940 instead, but but still, uh, obviously there's that time period of of America in its isolationist period. Uh, some for good reasons, some for very bad reasons. Right. <laughs> the Amer the American First Committee, uh, also uh, very against this war, uh, and they're bad. But I'm not going to say that uh, Pete Seeger was not bad for being against World War II. Right. Uh, and he also wasn't a Nazi for being against World War II. And no one ever, right. no well, one's I mean, ever going to accuse Pete Seeger of being a Nazi. Right. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, you can, yeah, there different right. people can arrive at the same, same yeah. like, conclusion 
for through very different means and for very right, different right. reasons. And listen, the American the American First Committee was against the war because they were waiting to welcome Hitler into right, America. Yes, yeah. Uh, there is a difference there. Right, right, right. Pete Seeger just didn't want didn't like war. Period. Uh, I will remember one thing about this movie because I will someday I will think about uh Colonel <laughs> Colonel Blimpaged. I'll think was that Winston Churchill's favorite movie? No, Winston no, Churchill's favorite know. movie was that Hamilton yeah. Woman. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's or just... or you might just I mean I don't know. For me, a lot of these the I will say that a lot of these pro like pro England during the war movies do just eventually blend together into a sort of weird soup in my head. Yeah. So I don't know that I will remember that it was not true. Like I may just blend them. I may just allow the blending <laughs> to happen and be like, yeah, it's fine. They're all the same movie. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, again, uh, in, in actual statement of fact, Colonel Blimp was somehow a better movie than this. Despite yeah. being a terrible, having a terrible message and being a generally terrible movie, this is somehow worse. Uh, well, you know, uh, Pal and Pressburger were good at making movies. Be- better uh, at making movies, apparently. Quarter produced a lot of them, a lot of sure. their best work, but uh, but still was not, uh, you know. What else well, but produce it like that's the thing, right? Is like right, I right, right. I was looking. There's a lot of like producer core edits for a lot of you know. I'd I'd have to go look at Corda's movie career more carefully. There's so so many movies on that list, though. I was trying to look through it before we started, and I was eventually I just got tired. Right, like it's it feels like hundreds, and I will say they <laughs> all nice. essentially end in nineteen in the 1950s. Is that when he? passed away is that the deal uh yeah he died yeah, he, in he died in 56 that's why yeah because yeah. like i was wondering like did he just stop or no he just he passed no, away was... that's the deal yeah um but yeah he he made a lot of movies and like i'd have to spend a lot more time to figure out like do i like any of them that i've seen how many have i yeah. seen well we have not we have not watched anything he directed for the Criterion Collection yet. We will eventually, in the far-flung future, watch Marius uh, from 1931, which he directed, uh, but that's Spine 882, um, in a box called the Marcel, the Marseille Trilogy, uh, which is all movies by different people. I don't know why they are boxed together, but we'll find that out in <laughs> eight years. Oh, uh, dear Lord, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eight years, anyway, huh? Yeah, we have we have seen one movie directed by Zoltan, uh, which was one of the uh, one of the movies in the uh, Paul Robeson box set. Mm-hmm. He directed, I believe, uh, Sanders of the River. If I remember okay. correctly, either that or Jericho. That was the box set, uh, but I can't remember which of the. Yes, he directed Sanders of the River. Um, we will see. Another one from Zoltan a little bit sooner uh, because Zoltan comes, he directed The Four Feathers from 1939. which is another movie about British war people. Uh, British war people. British soldiers. <laughs> there we go. No, I'm cool. I I, British war people. war people. War people, put on your death pants, pants war people. War people. <laughs> if we titled our episodes, that would, That's, that that would, would be the title of the episode, yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyway. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah. Uh, so Corda, you know, obviously he produced a lot of things that we've seen and loved. Yeah. He produced the third man, you know, it was great. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, producing and, is like this. I don't know. Right. Producing is always, I've never got a good fix on like, because can, producing is always so nebulous feeling. It's like, I feel like you can tell me somebody produced something amazing and like they have, they could be important to it or they could have absolutely no relevance whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they're very—they were essential to that thing, or maybe they just basically laid out a bunch of money, and that's all they—the only thing they contributed to the affair. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have just explored the Corda, the Corda family tree. In a direction that I was not expecting to go. Uh-huh. Uh, so Micah, Michael, rather, Michael Corda is Vincent's son, and uh-huh. he is on the bonus feature. And he talks extensively about being a child while this movie was being made, how his dad really didn't talk about work at home, mostly because the way Michael talks about it, Vincent, Alexander basically forced Vincent to be art director on all his movies. Uh-huh. And Vincent just really wanted to paint. And that's okay. what he did. He'd paint. He'd he designed the lighting and scenes by painting the scene. Uh, and he did it frequently. Which is uh, interesting. Michael, Michael particularly talks about the uh, the jail scene in this movie in the way the light, the light functions. Um, which, you know, admittedly, is it, it's lit very well, very, very interestingly, with the light coming in from the windows and still, you know, functioning. Uh, <clears throat> but... Uh, Michael's Michael's bonus feature is interesting. It's basically just about Vincent's career, um, particularly related to that Hamilton woman, but but more widely too. Uh, Michael's daughter is named Chris, and she was born sometime in 1962. But apparently, that is not public knowledge. Okay. Uh, she is, according to Wikipedia, an American anti-natalist activist. As in against procreation, techno musician, software developer, and leader of the Church of Euthanasia, founded in 1992. I mean, I uh, guess it, my question is: Is the Church of Euthanasia just a as a like pro like self? I, I have to know more. I guess like is that just a pro like? Essentially, a pro-suicide. I don't know how to how you term that. Like the, I don't right, know how you right, term right. that. Like the al- allowing people to choose their own death group. As stated on its website, it is a nonprofit educational foundation devoted to restoring balance between humans and the remaining species on Earth. Okay, that doesn't sound like what I was thinking it might be. The church stresses population reduction by voluntary means only and rejects murder and eugenics. By means of as means of achieving it, uh, so that's good. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. I think it is meant to be an absurdism thing. Uh, she also in '95 put together uh, a political action committee dedicated to getting the Unabomber elected president. Okay, um, so it's more of an. It seems like this might be more of an art thing than a. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an art thing. thing. 
So sorry for that digression, but but I ran across Chris and saw her described as an antinatalist activist, and I just needed to know more. And it turns out she's just a very fascinating individual. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, has put out. Uh, oh, she put out. She put an out in two albums last year, uh, called Polymeter and Apology to the Future. Um, yeah. Uh, her first album came out in '99, but she has released three in the last three years. Um. Yeah. Cool. Uh, interesting. And and an EP last year too called Magic Cookie. <laughs> okay. I might have to check out her music. Uh yeah. Um anyway. Michael Corda himself is a writer. Um you know, and obviously they're um Vincent, her grandfather, his father was wanted to be an artist despite his despite <laughs> yeah. his older brother's intentions. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Michael talks about uh, how Vincent never talked about the shoot when he came home, and he imagines that if he'd asked about him, he would have gotten a "Why are you asking me about?" How right, the movie's right, right, going. right. <laughs> like, just generally, just not interested in talking about the movie. Uh, apparently, Vincent mis misinterpreted what Alexander was telling him when they're planning the movie, and brought back a whole bunch of drawings uh for set design for a movie about wellington instead of about nelson uh Uh, and and got yelled at for that uh but uh but yeah uh michael generally talks lovingly about alexander and the entire family but the way he paints alexander and Vincent's relationship is definitely one of Alexander being overbearing and Vincent right. being pulled into doing art direction for his brother's movies when he really maybe didn't want to. But, right. But yeah, he's still very good at it. I got to say that. So Yeah, no, um, I mean, yeah, that like we we mentioned it before like this is kind of a you know, we it was quite a while ago, but like in reality, it, it's it can be a little challenging, right, to like sort of separate the sort of the movie from things like the art direction. The yeah. movie, like the, it does a very good job of painting the environment and everything like that. Everything feels very good. It's just that like the movie itself kills your enjoyment of those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so just... it's a really it's really sad actually when you think about the fact that like well this is a lot of this was really very well crafted just to 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 the purpose to to no purpose essentially yeah uh which is kind of sad 100% 100% Bosley Crowther is right to say everything of interest in this movie gets lost yeah in how long it is uh yeah and i'm really just not that interested in any aspect of it to begin with right right uh, right yeah so it lost me like, you know, I'm not interested in its secret plan to be a propaganda film. Right. I'm not yeah. interested in the actual story it's telling. I'm especially not interested in the whitewashing of <laughs> British history that it's doing in order to tell yeah. this story. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm glad we had that little five-minute digression on Chris because I have nothing else to say about. No, this yeah, movie. I'm kind of in the same position. Like, I don't, 
there's so there's just not a lot of a lot out a lot a lot in here to redeem this movie. I mean, I again like I kind of derived a little bit of joy at kind of giggling at the sort of the sort of fundamental absurdity of it in in with regards to like just sort of like England the English like the British Empire playing the victim is a just funny you're right right is just right, a 100%. funny premise yeah so like i did get some joy out of like that but it, it it's right. a very cynical joy of like laughing at somebody basically saying something just radically absurd <laughs> right right especially especially in this historical context right uh uh british being victims of nazi aggression sure yes yeah actually. yeah well that's what i mean yeah like specifically right. Um, like the way that they recontextualized it made it funnier right. rather than less, yeah. like instead of making it feel I mean, more impactful, not just, it made it less impactful. Right. They're not just recontextualizing. They're actively lying about. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, very true. The history of Britain and France uh, in order to to make the argument in order to draw the parallels that don't. I mean, broadly, maybe in that all wars I, are wars. Yeah. But. I mean, I, but like at that point, you're you're sort of like extending it so far out like you're getting into some sort of weird sort of existential territory where it's like well yes they're all technically the same kind of thing yeah yeah i mean as it turns out not every war has a hitler uh i i would dare say most wars don't have a hitler right 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 uh and if you're trying to uh if you're trying to draw a hitler parallel for the majority of european wars uh of the last 500 years uh britain is probably as as, <laughs> the as, actual as more often as not the hitler yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh so so yeah this movie is uh it's just long that's really it's, all it, it really is, is. It's, it's just, just very so brutal it i it's a chore and i could not i watched this during the day like i wasn't tired except when I was tired of watching of the movie, movie. <laughs> of watching yeah. the movie, yeah, I I also watched it. I watched it in the evening, but I started quite early yeah. so that I, I, you know, not because I wanted to be prepared and right. do a good job, but I just happened to have a chance to start early. And it was, you know, it it, it wears you down. It really, yeah. really, really wears you down. You're by the time you get to that second, like the last half an hour, you're just like. Why are we still here? What, what's going on? And then, like, the, I, the, to actually get back to sort of the kind of crux of the movie, and like the whole like idea of like, well, it's the duty of British men to go off to die, and of British women to accept that, like, you know, right, with with right, um, right, right. Well, I don't yeah. know what the word I'm trying to say, like, accept that with uh, stoic grace or something like that. Is is such a is such a fucked up sort of fundamentally fucked up sort of premise right, of right. an idea, and and it lean and, and and what you end up doing actually is you watch a lot of like fundamentally sort of confusing decisions happen, like it, it doesn't you don't I I would argue that because in, in interest of telling the story they want to tell for whatever reason. Um, they kind of end up painting a kind of confusing story, right? Like where where we end up with with 
um, Emma Hamilton being kind of a confusing character because she always needs to act however the story needs her to act to like right. prove the point they want to prove. So rather than feeling like a natural person who makes decisions based on sort of people reasons, what you end up with is this sort of like almost just tool of the narrative, like where yeah, where she just kind of just feel... does things that are like, oh, well, now we need her to do this. Now we need her to do that. Yeah. I feel like, um, I I suppose I know less about her historically. Oh, I don't know anything about her. No, about Nelson. I <laughs> no, barely know I don't anything know anything about, about Nelson. Nelson either, frankly. Yeah. I don't know anything about British history, and I'd like to keep it that way. Thank you very much. I think, I think her character in this movie is interesting, uh, if if the movie had been able to keep my attention. She uh, is basically tricked into being sold as a wife to a guy who collects beautiful things. Right. Uh, she pragmatically decides to hold on to that and uses that p- position to uh, become powerful. Well, you know, but here's the thing, Adam, with the Queen I, of Naples, I, yes. and that's historically accurate. She but, learns multiple languages, and that's historically accurate. Uh, but my where I'm kind of coming from, Adam, is you're you've now embraced the actual story of Emma Hamilton. Yeah. Emma Hamilton. You're not embracing what the movie showed us. Yeah, this movie is not. This movie like, is not actually. And about that's my that, problem. That is Hamilton this movie woman. has her right. fluctuate in sort of intent and behavior, however it needs it to work at the time. She's frivolous. She's nonsensical occasionally sharp whenever the movie needs her to be. Um, If this, if this movie were actually about how Emma Hart, every time she made a decision that she thought was following her heart and doing something that would make her happy, it led to some tragedy in her life. Well, that's a very compelling movie. Like you've described a very compelling compelling movie. movie. Um, and, And the premise of her, like her, the story of her life is a very compelling story. Right. The problem is because I what, get the impression that it's almost never told from the perspective of her. What, yeah. what I mean is like, even though she's the, the character or that she's the main character of this movie, it is, it is through the lens of how she relates to Nelson. Yeah. It primarily, they have a lot of setup. And so we do get a fair amount of time and not that much time before he shows up really. Um, and so what I mean by that though, is that like, we're not telling her story. We're telling how the story of how she relates to Nelson and how she and and that's a different story and that's not that interesting. That's a I agree. And and I suspect that like I mean maybe somebody has made a great movie about her because that would be a very interesting movie. There are other movies about her. Yeah, and but we're not Criterion didn't ask us to watch those movies. Right, right. Didn't even put any of them as a bonus feature on this one. Yeah, they asked us to watch this one, the trash one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the ideologically trash one, at the very least. (laughs) Again, I I do also believe the movie itself is not very good. Yeah. As we we Uh, have discussed. So, you know, that's also, it's kind of the trash one top to bottom in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Um, Born Amy Leon. Um, I thought they gave her last name as Hart in the story, but I could be wrong on that. They might have. Uh, they. I mean, who knows to to what extent they sort of um, fictionalize things. 
right, right, right. My my, um, it would be interesting. No, she she later went by the name Emma Hart. Oh, okay, apparently, because I would also be fascinated. Not like you know, it is one of those things that this movie also doesn't necessarily seem that caught up in the idea of like the truth of the story. Well, they also only feature one painting that she's in, and like she was a. Uh, she was in a lot of paintings. That's why people knew her to be a beautiful woman. Right. Is that a lot of people painted her. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's just, I think that there are, there are interesting parallels that this movie could have drawn out between Hamilton's nephew pawning her off to pay his debts and uh, her making the best of that situation. And then her pivoting from that situation to be uh, star-crossed lovers with Nelson and that going to crap because Nelson's first love is being a British war hero more right, than anything yeah. else. As much as he might have loved Emma, he loved her less than he loved the publicity he loved being of being a war, a war hero. hero. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that also leads her to maybe not as bad an end as the movie portrays, but still... A bad end because she right, loses yeah. the she loses the prestige of her actual husband, um, and she also ends up you know, and the whole situation also keeps her estranged from her daughter, right? Right, uh, and that's an interesting parallel, an interesting contrast between her mother's relationship with her and her relationship with the daughter of that of that right. encounter with Hamilton uh, with Nelson. Um, so yeah, I think there are interesting things about Emma's life that could have been focused on, uh, that weren't. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So that Hamilton woman, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's just also an interesting title because apparently Lady Hamilton was the title for the British release. So that Hamilton woman has got to be the American release title, and what right. does that? It, well, it's a, it is it it is a very judgmental like in its yeah. in its very right. like sort of it's, it's hinting it at how judgmental. she's talked about right right right. right. And I think I will say one more positive thing. I thought that the scene where she meets Nelson's wife was all very well acted and very well played out, and I thought yeah. that worked really well. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe would have liked to explore her as a character a little more too. But yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot. There's a lot of places that could have been explored that just yeah. now, just aren't. of course, given given the story, the meta story that this movie is trying to tell, uh, exploring Nelson's estranged wife is not something that the movie is interested in doing at all. Right, right, so, right, right. Or should be. Uh, so I was kind of surprised he even showed up, but. It yeah, I I actually was a little was bit in. too. I kind of assumed she was just going to be a sort of sort of background context right. thing, just, not an actual. Just shovel character. her off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, generally just very bored by this movie. Uh, yeah. It yeah, there's not enough going on to keep my interest as a love story. Uh, certainly not as a war story, uh, because the war stuff doesn't even show up until the end, and it's impressively done 
special it's, effects I mean, wise. Yeah, there's a lot of good special effects work for a uh, for, but like yeah. even the impressive special effects sort of like fall down because it's not even that. By that time, you're just not even that excited by the battle, right? You know right. what I mean. You're but so 100%. deep into this like sort of just never-ending narrative that it's like I don't. I don't even care who wins now. Like, whatever. Like, can we wrap it up? You know, is sort of the is the feeling you get, which is again, wow, for like a military battle, was I guess supposed to at least be partially a military battle, like war movie. Yeah. Oh man, to be so bored of the movie by the time you get to the battle that you're not even engaged with it, it's like that's that's almost impressive to do actually and i don't think and this is probably a a hollywood code thing i don't even think we got nelson's last words what Uh, were nelson's last words? i don't know anything about nelson um i hope they were i i mean they weren't give my hair to my my mistress they were not they were directed um well, apparently, apparently, his actual last words were, "Thank God I have done my duty," because, <laughs> of course, they were that guy. Um, but, uh, um, many in the Victorian area believed this is said, and I heard this. Uh, I feel like it came up in something I read, either the essay or it might have been the uh, the Michael Corda. Uh, bonus feature um but it was commonly believed in victorian era that his last words were kiss me hardy hardy being his associate mm. uh his his number two um others have suggested that he was saying kiss met hardy uh kiss met meaning fate or destiny in turkish uh which does not make sense not really, uh, no. as a sentence uh the uh i'm just reading some random british website yeah i i think we're uh, a hallmark of our podcast yes the website points out that that is a victorian invention trying to save face i think um yeah and that the term kismet does not believe not appear in any english language source until after 1805 uh others have claimed that he said kiss emma hardy as in take care of emma for me uh which it, does the movie say that? I feel like the movie. No, might, he might says. Fall yeah, he kind does. Kind of on that internet. Well, the movie. Kind of on the that movie. End. He at least he. I can't remember the exact dialogue, but he definitely is like, "Please take care of Emma." Right. Right. Is basically right. what he says to Hardy, or is is intending yeah. to say to Hardy because he he calls for Hardy multiple times to like deliver this yeah. message. Right. Um. Anyway, and Hardy is the one who delivers the news of his death to Emma. Um, but, but yeah. And then books I, it out of Dodge. And then books it out of Dodge, and we cut back to Emma in debtor's prison in Calais, in, yeah. in France, uh, with telling her life story to a random prostitute yeah, who knows who she is but doesn't believe it. Yeah, uh, it's The very... framing story actually is interesting well, yeah uh, but again like it's it's such a weird frame to, like it's yeah. like it's i don't know it's just a very very weird movie i just keep coming back to just how weird this movie is 
It's just so <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's, yeah, it's just a it's it's just a very strange movie and like it it feels like everything about the movie is directly informed by whatever sort of propaganda needs it was meant to meet. Yeah. To the point where well yeah, but like to the point where like the movie itself functionally has no purpose beyond that. Like Right. I don't know, like it's propaganda posters have more artistic intent it almost feels like <laughs> like it's really like it really in the end the more i spend thinking about the movie the more it feels sort of devoid of artistic right endeavor i think i think if you had tried to say that an hour ago i would have pushed back now i'm not so sure now that you spent uh, so much time thinking about yeah. this fucking movie you're like yeah, yeah maybe yeah uh yeah because it really is you know churchill loved this movie because uh, Nelson scorch earth. Well, I guess you can't scorch earth a boat, but uh, I mean you can certainly try. But the French, the French, uh, try to surrender, and and he literally tells them that he'll uh, to keep keep fighting until twenty of their boats are destroyed or surrendered, uh, and then he dies before they get to twenty. But he says that after like over half of them have already been destroyed. Anyway. Right, right, <laughs> like right. Four- 15 whatever and the flagship has surrendered so like the battle should be over right and he just but he's intense because you gotta you gotta kill a dictator uh which is but not that's a the thing. funny like, thing like, though is that that's not even nelson's reason in reality right, right? like that's right not, and also that's not real also, that's this movie's and in, in thought process no, on yeah. it all right and napoleon's not on any of those boats in any, right. It like, doesn't. It doesn't. Whatever Nelson's reason for that in re, in reality, it wasn't because Napoleon was an evil dictator that like had to be scorched earth. Like it, right. that's just not. That's not it. I don't. I don't even know if that's accurate to the way Nelson conducted war. Or if or if Churchill just liked this movie because m- much like things like Blimp, it it supports his notion of the way war modern war needs to be fought i i mean was nelson a scorched earther when it came to france i don't know i don't know maybe he was i i mean if you short of finding some sort of actual like you know evidence of that (laughs) i don't know that that's 100 percent true uh and even then it's like again we talked about you know but churchill likes like things that bought into his sort of view of right. the way this should work. Right. Right. And Churchill's view of the way that should work was not good. No, no, it no, was, no, no. It was no, a, morally not. reprehensible. Uh, yep. Even within his context. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I really don't have anything else to say about this movie, so I think we probably should yeah, stop. Yeah, we should stop. We should stop before we just movie. spend spend a half hour mumbling about other other <laughs> as we come up with forever. other bad things. Yeah, <laughs> bad things about uh, Churchill. Yeah, our other yeah. join us for our other podcast. Why <laughs> Churchill sucks. <laughs> that's that's basically every 1940s British movie. We yeah, watched. basically, yeah. <laughs> so. We have to spin so, it off so we can save our audience from having to listen to yeah. us tell us tell them why Churchill sucks a hundred thousand right. times. 
This has been us talking about That Hamilton Woman from 1941, directed by Alexander Korda. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about uh, a James Ivory movie from 1992, Howard's End, uh, an adaptation of the E.M. Forrester novel. I uh, do look forward to seeing that next week, uh, James Ivory directed Howard's End. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Lost Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatardorian. And we'll see you next week. Criteria. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com/slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.